I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, and welcome to the Touch Em All podcast. I'm Derek Wetmore, co-host of the Touch Em All podcast, flying solo today. Phil Mackey is uh, enjoying some more NFL draft action. Uh, he's a masochist, I guess. I'm more interested in talking about baseball, so I'm doing a baseball show. This is streamed on the 1500 ESPN Facebook page. Every Friday I try to do a Twins show, whether it's on 1500 ESPN's Facebook page or my own personal pace, uh, Facebook page which is at Derek Wetmore MLB. Uh, I can tell when I've done too much self-promotion because I start tripping on my words. So let's just get into the questions. I see a few here in the Facebook queue, and uh, we'll get to Trevor Hildenberger. We'll probably talk a little Kyle Gibson today. Somebody wants to know about the playoffs already, and uh, one person's asking if we should fire Paul Molitor. So we'll answer all those questions on this episode of the podcast and uh, for the Facebook audience joining us here today on 1500 ESPN thank you for coming and keep those questions coming that's what's going to power this episode today um, got a few minutes before I have to head out to Target Field to talk to those uh, lovable losers so Tony asked the first question of the chat and that's where we're going to start I think it's a pretty easy answer but maybe I'm in the minority with that um I guess I'm curious to hear back from our podcast listeners and from, from our Facebook friends. Tony says, is there a need to fire Molitor if they don't improve? Uh, second part of the question is, are the free agent signings failures? And if so, which ones? Really good question, multifaceted. The first one is the part that's easy. I think you can't fire Paul Molitor. I think if you gave him, what was it, a three-year contract this winter? And then what? They get off to a bad start. They're not hitting. The weather's weird. They miss a bunch of games. They have to go to Puerto Rico, and their bullpen just falls apart, collapses um, on the side of the road, and that's the manager's fault? I don't know. I'm not ready to pin this on Molitor, but I've also given him a longer leash than people in the past. I know a lot of our viewers have been annoyed with Molitor at times that I've been, frankly, just fine with him. Um, he pinch hit Byron Buxton earlier this year. I was cool with that. He pinch hit Max Kepler earlier this year against a tough lefty. I'm cool with that. Um, so I don't know how much of this you pin on Molitor, especially because most of these decisions, guys, are not solely his. I mean, I'm going to say that again because it's important. Most of the decisions that Paul Molitor makes are not solely his. What I mean by that is like there's a team of people going into it. You got your analytics people in the front office. You got your maybe non-analytics front office members weighing in. You've got your coaching staff. All of them are numbers savvy. Uh, all of them are baseball savvy, like way more baseball savvy than I am. So I, I can't just sit here and say like they did this wrong, they did this wrong. They know what I'm talking about, and they've considered five steps past it in most cases. So a lot of times I'm careful to really – really know that I'm right before I criticize something really heavily. Um, so it's a group decision for the most part. Sometimes it's players making their own decisions. Somebody asked me if Molitor must have called the delayed steal that Brian Dozier got himself thrown out on. I don't know. I wasn't there. I doubt it. Um, I, I don't think it made sense in that spot. I think Dozier's on first, and you got Maurer up, and you're just trying to get a rally going, and you don't want to just give up and out for free to Gary Sanchez and the Yankees. So 
Um, that's just my personal, I'm guessing from having watched the game, but not having been there and asked Molitor about it or asked Dozier about it. Um, I just think that's one of the things that we need to consider. So Molitor, no. I think you don't fire him one month into a contract extension. You could debate if he should have been re-signed or whatever, but that's in the past. That's no longer the topic of conversation. So the second part of your question, Tony, is one that's pretty interesting because I think your subtext is important. I think you're asking this in a smart way. You said, are the free agent signings failures? If so, which ones? The subtext is it's April 27th as of this recording. We're a month into the season, including four games that got washed out because of weather. So it's early. It's really, really early to say. But the free agent signings that people are talking about right now, Logan Morrison, fair. Zach Duke, fair. Fernando Rodney, fair. Lance Lynn, fair. And then Jake Odorizzi was a trade, obviously. Here's my two cents, and I'll just be quick with this. We can get into it more if there are more questions about it. But I think it's way too soon to say that any of them are failures. I think Fernando Rodney had a bad April last year in Arizona, as our friend Jeffrey can attest to that. Horrible April, and then he turned it around from May 1st the rest of the way. He was a pretty good reliever. I think Rodney's maybe like their second or third best reliever, and it'd be different if his fastball was coming back to earth and it was like last year was 96 plus a devastating changeup, and now it's just like, Spotty feel for a changeup, 92-mile-an-hour fastball. You'd say, okay, this guy's over the hill. Questionable if he can even get guys out anymore. I don't see that, guys. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I just don't see a deterioration of his stuff. I think Fernando Rodney still has the pitches. It's still going to be an adventure when he's out there. Trust me, he's going to walk some batters. I think it's like an 11% walk rate or something high that you don't like to see in the closer's role. He's going to have traffic on the bases, but he's not going to be some sort of abject disaster. In my personal opinion, I'm open to changing that opinion. But if you're going to blame yesterday in New York on Fernando Rodney, I think that you're being too nice to Miguel Sano. So that's all I'll say on that. I don't think Fernando's a bust. And uh, Zach Duke's a middle reliever, seventh-inning guy. Um, a lot of strikeouts, but a lot of walks. We'll see if that corrects itself. Lance Lynn, I think, will be good once you look at the body of work, 30 starts, 32 starts, whatever it is. I think that the Twins will get their $12 million out of that one. Um, who else would you be mad at? Oh, yes, Logan Morrison. I think it's way too soon to be upset at Logan Morrison. Trust me, I feel the sort of tension when he walks up to the plate with runners on, and you're thinking, ugh, not who you wanted to see in this spot because, let's face it, he hasn't really come through very much for the Twins. But I do think that by the end of the season, it's possible that we'll just look back at this and say, oh, that was a blip. Remember that bad April? Morrison's had bad starts to seasons before, and he sort of righted the ship. I would just point you to his last two seasons. I'm not saying he's going to be a 40-homer hitter, but if you look at 2016 plus 2017 divided by two, that's probably a fair expectation for Logan Morrison, and that encompasses his swing change, his possible approach change, uh, to more of the uh, hit home runs, hit it in the air. That's where your OPS lies. I think I think Logan Morrison could still prove to be a, a good signing for the Twins. And and also, it's worth noting, before I get on to the next question here, Tony, um, that all of the free agents that they signed have very, very little downside. There's a very low chance that any of them look like horrendous contracts because you can get out from under them. It's one-year team option, cheap money. In Lance Lynn's case, $12 bucks for one year of a mid-rotation starter. 
yeah, that was below what I expected the Twins to have to spend this winter. So from the context of what they spent on the free agent market, and, and then even if you throw Jake Odorizzi into this, I think that the Twins were shopping at a discount all winter long, and uh, some of their free agent buys are off to a bad start. But too early for me to point the finger and say, like, brutal. I'm not there yet. Thanks for the question, Tony. I threw a like on that. I'll trade you. If you like my video, I'll like your question. Okay, Cody says, uh, uh, right on. He's responding to the question on Facebook. I said, the Twins are on a losing streak. Can they turn it around? And Cody says, right on. We're all used to losing, LOL. Do the Twins make the playoffs? Yeah, no, why? Uh, my preseason pick was yes. My preseason pick was that they were a wild card team. But if you were making me pick right now, today, not just based on the standings, because I want to stress and reemphasize that it's April. It's April. You know, we're like a little more than 10% of the way through the schedule. So I'm not saying they're not making the playoffs just because of a bad stretch or because of a losing streak. I heard somebody on another podcast say, like, maybe we'll look back at this and it was just a bad week. A really bad week, but just a bad week. And I think I agree with that. I think that... Uh, we'll know on June 1st how we feel about this week in April where the Twins went and got swept in Tampa and New York. That's not good, but I'm also not ready to say that they're not making the playoffs because of it. However, I will say I've watched a couple of Angels games because of your guy, Shohei Otani. He's been a fascinating story to follow. That Angels team is not bad. If they can pitch, I think that's a legitimate postseason contender too, and that's just one more spot. That's what I was worried about all winter is that the American League's looking mighty nice. Um, I think the Indians are going to win the division. I think the Twins will be second in the American League Central. But are they going to be better than two out of the Red Sox, Yankees, you know, Angels? I I think that that race starts to get crowded. So if you're the Twins, you got to nip this thing in the bud before it reaches just like no chance to make the playoffs. So, Cody, my answer to your question officially is... Non-zero chance. Michael wants to know, why is Hildenberger used almost every day? And I'd have to look up the numbers on what his uh, usage and rest stats are. Like, is he pitching on zero days rest a lot? Frankly, the Twins haven't had a lot of opportunities to pitch guys on zero days rest because of all the off days, all the snow that they've encountered, and kind of the wacky schedule. Um, Presley's pitching a lot, and Presley's been great, but Hildenberger's been disappointing. I think there's no two ways around it. This winter, I was talking about him as one of their best relievers, um, if not making a case that he was their best reliever, even after signing Fernando Rodney and Addison Reed. Obviously, that hasn't been the case. Not only has Hildenberger given up you know, some home runs and his pitches look hittable, um, I'd, I'd have to do some more digging to figure out, if, is this stuff flattening out? Are people just scouting him better? Um, I don't see any big problem with like perceived velocity drop or anything like that. Um, Maybe it's just guys have seen him now, and that changeup is not the same weapon that it was last year. I don't know. I, I have to do more digging. But the concerning thing for me about Hildenberger, I looked up these stats the other day, and it was like nine inherited runners, and all of them had scored, or, or something crazy like that. Don't quote me on the exact numbers. The point was that basically any time that Trevor Hildenberger came on with guys on base, they were scoring. And that looks bad for the other guy's ERA, whoever he came in subbing for. It doesn't necessarily reflect in his ERA other than when you then start digging a little deeper and saying, like, 
batters are having some pretty good success against a guy that the Twins were counting pretty heavily on at the back end of their bullpen this year. So, Michael, I don't know how to answer your question other than to say that he had a track record of being a really impressive late-inning reliever last year, and I thought that he had earned a spot there in the final nine outs of the game for the Twins. But maybe now you reevaluate that and say, hang on, let's uh, let's make sure that that we want him going out in those tight spots. And right now, I think, frankly, the guys you trust are Addison Reed, um, Fernando Rodney in the ninth, even though you squint and, and grimace at that a little bit. And then Ryan Presley's been great. I think he's earned a little bit more trust. So I don't know if that answers your question, Michael, but that's been one of the low-key disappointing things of the twin season so far is Trevor Hildenberger struggling. Andrew sent a comment that is just a big thumbs up. That's awesome. Thanks, dude. Jeffrey says uh, they'll lose at least least two to the Reds, playing terrible. Well, the Reds are too, though. I don't know. This might be a series where the Twins get back on track, Jeffrey. I I think that's what they've got to be hoping for. Line up your pitching, get some good starts like you got from Gibson yesterday, and then don't blow it late in the game. Maybe the Reds are the uh, cure for what ails Minnesota right now. Michael wants to know when will we see Buxton back. I don't know that. I have to uh, do some digging once I get to Target Field here this afternoon because I was not on the road trip, so I did not talk with Buxton about the migraines. I did not talk with Molitor about the uh, disgusting like foul ball off the toe situation that I won't even get into. I don't have the stomach to talk about the medical procedure to release the swelling there or try and relieve it, which according to the broadcast the other day I guess didn't work. Like, ugh. You can miss me with all that stuff. Um, I don't have the stomach for it, so uh, you can look all, all of those details up. I tweeted the other day, though, and it's true. The only thing that Byron Buxton can't catch these days is a break. If he gets by the migraines and the toe thing clears up, I would hope that, uh, for his sake, he's then clear of it. But from the Twins' perspective, it's like, yeah, he wasn't hitting, but you notice when he's not on the field. Um, it really does make... Uh, an impact not just in center field defense but in the corner outfield defense too because this has meant more playing time for Robbie Grossman who as as a big Grossman guy I can also say that Robbie Grossman should not be playing a major league outfield very often Byron Buxton playing in center field allows you to move either Kepler or Rosario back to a corner and then you've got for my money one of the best outfield defenses in the majors that helps the pitching um and frankly, helps the whole thing just move quicker. You're just more efficient at converting outs. And uh, when he's not in there, gosh, even a Byron Buxton hitting 200 seems to make an impact uh, in the positive direction for the Twins. So um, I don't know when he's going to be back, Michael. I don't don't have a good answer for that because I wasn't on the road trip. But uh, the sooner the better for the Twins is all I can say. Hey guys, before we continue on with the rest of this Touch em All podcast, it's Phil Mackey here for all of you Twin Cities area listeners to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three plus decades. And there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. 
We got a couple more questions here. I see Leland, Lyle, um, and Tony's got another one. I see Chris and Seth joining the chat. What's up, guys? Thanks for coming by. Um, if you have any questions, drop them in. I'm happy to answer. Although, Seth, I'll probably need to defer to you on some of these minor league questions. I saw just before jumping on this video that Gonsalves got promoted. That's probably good news for the Twins and good news for Steven himself. Um, I know Seth and I talked, I think it was over the winter, we were talking about, like, yeah, you'll see people keep asking, when will we see Steven Gonsalves? It's like, yeah, you'll see him this year. He's probably going to pitch for the Twins. So correct me if I'm wrong on that, Seth, but that's my official position. Uh, let's see here. Leland, I think, was the first one that I saw on this. And if you're hanging out in the chat, guys, feel free to leave other questions. I know that we're going to have a couple minutes here before I get to Target Field. If we've got to go to a rapid-fire round from the 1500 ESPN Studios, I'm all for it. It gets me off of my long-winded sort of soapbox things. I see no questions about Kyle Gibson, which is fine, but uh, maybe we'll just wait until his next turn in the rotation to see if that start in New York was legit because I think it looked legit. And I think uh, that there were a lot of people who've hated on Gibson for a long time. I'm not saying he's arrived. I'm just saying a lot of people who've hated on Gibson for a long time were pretty quiet the other day as he carved up the, the Yankees lineup for six innings. Leland wanted to know, if the Twins were a sweater, what kind of sweater would they be? Right now, they'd be a consignment shop discount sweater. They'd be the kind that you walk in. And, and, you know, sometimes you'll walk into one of those shops, at least I know I do, and you'll see the one with, like, the big reindeer and the, you know, Rudolph's nose with actually a Christmas light on it, and you're like, that's just goofy enough that I'm going to buy it for $4, and then I'll wear it at a Christmas party, and I'll donate it back to the consignment shop. But, like, the twins right now are that one that you're like, eh, is that even worth spending $5 on right now? Um I don't know what pattern it would be, like some sort of bad Argyle situation or like a uh, just sort of patched together. And you know for sure it has the professor pads. They've got elbow pads right now, but not the stylish kind, just the kind that are there because there were holes in the arms. And uh, that's not good. That's not a good sweater. That's not what we would call a sweater game. So the Twins are going to have to pick it up if they want to get into uh, some even some B-range sweaters. Um, that's a great question, though. Um, Leland, thanks for asking. I see Lyle's got a question too. Oh, and then Seth's chiming in too. <laughs> Seth's chiming in. It looks like on Gonsalves, he says, you're all good. Uh, there's a non-zero chance that Gonsalves will make starts for the Twins this year. I love it. Right there with you, Seth. Keep on fighting the good fight. Uh, Lyle says, um, in my opinion, Presley appears to be a better option in safe situations now than does Rodney. Interesting. Lyle continues to say, use Rodney in the 7th or 8th inning situations and let Presley give it a try. So, I'm not there yet. Um, I'm a big Presley guy. I've got a column. Hopefully I'll write it this weekend. Um, I've just been kind of busy doing other stuff, but um, Ryan Presley's made it. I wrote in my 5 Thoughts column from Tampa that Ryan Presley's arrived, guys. This is what the Twins were waiting for all those years. This is what they saw when they took him in the Rule 5 and stashed him on the roster. This is what they saw when they saw him through the bad times, inflated ERAs, walk problems, home run problems. This is the guy. Now, 
I've said in the past that I think he has closer-type stuff and that he could be a future closer. I'm not ready to go there right now. I think there is something to be said for the mental component that Fernando Rodney brings of, all right, gave it up yesterday, go and get him today. I think that it takes a real mental strength that I don't have a way to quantify. Um, I'm not saying Presley doesn't have that. I'm not saying he's not eventually deserving. I'm not even saying he's not pitching better right now because he is. But I think that to continue to use Presley and Reed um, to a much lesser extent Hildenberger, at least for now, in that sort of fireman role makes a lot of sense. And then Rodney should be able to come in with a two-run lead and a clean slate in the ninth inning. He should be able to do that more times than not. Obviously, it's just been a rough start in that regard. Um, I hear what you're saying, Lyle. I like Presley, too. I like him as much or more than the next guy. Um I'm personally, I'm not ready to flip-flop roles because of two things. One, I think it shows panic. I think it shows your clubhouse that you're not counting on the guys that you brought in to do that job, and that that can have a real or perceived negative effect. I don't know how to quantify that. I'm kind of just saying that because that's my personal belief, but I, I don't have anything to back that up other than sort of anecdotal evidence in talking with players and stuff like that. Um but the other reason is that I wouldn't expect Fernando Rodney to continue to be terrible. Um, and if he does, and if he keeps finding himself on the short end of the stick, then the Twins are going to be in a world of hurt because they'll have lost some games they should have won. And in a tight postseason race that this figures to be, that hurts a lot. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Those hurt in April. You lose those games Come September 15th, if it's a tight race, you're going to wish you had those back. So um, I hear you, Lyle. Uh, I'm just not there yet. Looks like we got two more, and if there are no more questions, um, I'll do these rapid fire and get out of here so I can go to the clubhouse access and talk with the manager before batting practice. So, Tony says, I still don't understand what will help the Twins win against the AL East, especially the Yankees. It's been almost two decades of this. Different players, different managers, and GMs hasn't seemed to help. What's left? I don't have a good answer for you either, Tony. It's a tough one. We talked about that a lot, actually, on the latest Touch em All podcast. If you're, if you're watching this on Facebook, just go find the Touch em All podcast, whether it's on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use on your phone. Um, I'm on an Android, so I use Podcast Republic. If you want to check that one out, I don't I don't care. But look for the Touch Em All podcast and go find our latest episode in which we talk about kind of like the bad news that's been going on all, around the team a lot lately. Phil Mackey and I, my co-host, typical co-host, we just went up and down through that Yankees thing. That's how we started the episode. So if you want kind of our extended thoughts on that, that's where I'd point you. But the Yankees' dominance over the past, what, 15, 16 years, I just throw my arms up and say, I don't know. The Twins aren't that overmatched in terms of talent, and yet the record indicates that they've been brutal, helpless, and I don't have a good answer for you. But we talked through that quite a bit, if you're curious in our extended thoughts, Tony. And then, two, uh, was it Lyle that asked the uh, Ryan Presley question? We talked about Ryan Presley at the end of that episode, so both of you guys should check out that uh, Touch Em All podcast episode that I recorded with Phil this week at the uh, this very same table, actually the 1500 ESPN studios, check out that podcast. And we talked about the Yankees thing and Ryan Presley as a stat cast all-star. Um, got to Seth's observation on Gonsalves, non-zero team, non-zero keep fighting the good fight. Seth 
Michael says, I asked you the other day, but does Rosario know basic fundamentals? Throws the ball everywhere but where he should. To be fair, Rosario does make the right throw some of the time, but I'm right there with you, Michael. I don't have a good answer. He is a maddening player to watch play left field. When he tries to play hero ball unnecessarily and overthrows the cutoff man by 15 feet and up the line, I just don't know what to say because I know they've benched him for it in the past. I know they've talked to him a lot about his sort of nonchalant way of playing the outfield in the past, and it appears that nothing has gotten through because he still makes some of those nonchalant plays where he'll he'll catch a ball down here. And it's a small thing, but that'll drive you crazy the one time that he drops it. Why not just go two hands? You camped under it anyways. I hate to sound old-school baseball coach guy, but – your percentage chance of dropping the ball at your waist is just higher than dropping it up here, and I want the highest possible conversion rate on those catches. And then just like the basis thing, that's a basic understanding of game situation that it should be able to be taught, and I blame Rosario and I blame the Twins coaches for not getting it through to him. So I don't know what to tell you. I I see it too, Michael. I'm frustrated by it at times, but uh, I think net positive – Rosario is a net positive player, has a chance to be one of their better players this year. Um, you got to live with some of the headaches. All right, looks like we got two more, and then I got to run. Adam says, uh, "How many more times are we going to let Rodney do this?" Yeah, I don't have a good answer for you. The New York one's not his fault, but boy, it just is. The optics are bad right now. You don't you don't like the fact that you're supposed to have won a couple of these games that he's taken the mound in. Whether it was a save situation or not, and he blew it, and the Twins have a loss as a direct result of his performance, that's that's pretty tough to stomach, especially when you sign him kind of first to address your bull, the back back end of your bullpen. Um, how long are they going to let him do it? I don't know. I wouldn't make a change right now. I think it sends the wrong message. Then Seth wants to know, how excited are you for for the bruised heart Gratterall experience, which starts tonight for Cedar Rapids? Seth, probably not as excited as you, but I've heard a lot of great things about him, as I'm sure you have too. This spring, that was one of the guys that, you know, you talk to some coaches or evaluators at, at spring training down, I was down in Fort Myers. Seth, I know our trip didn't overlap this year. Sorry about that. But that I would be like, hey, who should we be keeping our eyes on? Who Who are some guys that aren't getting talked about enough? Gratterall was definitely one that came up. And, and Seth, you'd have to correct me. I don't know if it's Gratterall or Graterall, but it's one of those prospects that the Twins haven't really had in a while because I think even Fernando Romero does not quite reach this level where you're saying, like, hey, his upside, his 98th percentile is ace. And his downside is, like, he doesn't reach the majors. And so there's this wide variance, as with all top-level pitching prospects. But, like, he's going to be an interesting one to watch develop. And, uh... Yeah, if you're in Cedar Rapids tonight, I guess Seth says that that experience begins tonight. If the weather's okay, maybe go check him out. Um, I'm not going to be able to catch that one because I'll be out at Target Field watching the Cincinnati Reds experience. So um, I don't know who has it better, to be honest with you. Uh, that's it for me. That's it for this video. Thanks, everybody, who stopped by on Facebook. That's super awesome that you guys just took some time out of your Friday, maybe snuck your uh, live stream while the boss wasn't looking Snuck in some earbuds or something like that at work. I appreciate it. Whoever whoever is watching, wherever you are out there, whether you're at home or at work, thanks for joining. This has been super fun. We'll try to do this every week. Sometimes I do it on the 1500 ESPN page, and sometimes I do it on my personal Facebook page. 
Derek Wetmore MLB. If you're watching this video, listening to this podcast, I think you'd like that page. Just go give it a like. Um, and if you're not already subscribed to the Touch em All podcast, we'd love to have you around for that too. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, last thing I'll ask of the Facebook audience as you close out this window, just like push a like so that way your friends can see, oh, they do Facebook videos on 1500 ESPN talking about the twins? Nobody talks about the twins. Uh, maybe they'll come by for our next Facebook Live video. So that's it for the podcast. That's it for the video. Thanks, everybody, who joined me. Until next time, I'm Derek Wetmore. Have a good one, and uh, I don't know. Try to stay sane, Twins fans. Be good.